perfectionism is born young. I mean, we're born into that sin. If, if you don't have a certain number of likes on your picture, then you're not. You're weak. Yeah. Hey, she's admitting she's not perfect. I think I can do that too, you know. You're listening to 1A, a podcast from First Presbyterian Church, Episode 9. This week, we talk with women in ministry about the issue of worldly desire in women's lives. I'm Josh Squires, the Minister of Counseling and Congregational Care here at First Pres. Welcome to 1A, a podcast designed to look at how to apply biblical principles in our day-to-day lives. If this is your first time listening, then thanks for coming. We hope this ministry is a blessing to you and those around you. For more information, you can check us out at our website, which is firstprezcolumbia.org. That's firstprezcolumbia.org forward slash 1A. You can find all our episodes there, as well as links on how to subscribe. If this is a ministry that you enjoy, then we appreciate it if you would subscribe using the application of your choice and leave us some comments. As we increase the number of reviews and comments, it becomes easier for others to find our podcast. Today, it's my pleasure to welcome in Emily Woodard, Hannah Stevenson, and Beth Ann Sample. They're going to help us think through the ways that women struggle with desire, the burden of beauty, and the desire to have a strong like game. If you had feedback for us, we'd love to hear it. You can call, text, tweet, or email your comments, questions, or concerns. For all of our contact information, check out the website. We'd love to do a feedback episode soon, so keep your comments coming. Now, let's get to our interview. I'm here with Emily, Hannah, and Beth Ann. Emily, Hannah, Beth Ann, if you wouldn't mind, would you give me just an idea of what it is that you do here at the church, your name, and how it is that you got into ministry? I'm Emily Woodard. I am the director of women's ministry at First Presbyterian Church in Columbia. I only recently started this job back in March, and I guess I got into ministry because I love the church and have a desire to see women grow and Um, I'm Hannah Stevenson, and I am the Assistant Director of Youth Ministries for High School Girls here at First Pres, and I've been doing it for about two years, a little over two years now, and I got into this job, I don't even know how, (laughs) it was the Lord, I never, I was a Spanish major in college, so, um, he just kind of pushed me into this, and I love it. My name is Beth Ann Sample, and I'm another assistant youth director at First Presbyterian Church here in Columbia. I started back in May of 2011 after I graduated from the University of South Carolina and just have always loved the age of middle schoolers and just it's when I came to know the Lord. And so I've always just had a heart for seeing them grow and struggle through middle school. So not that I want to see them struggle. (laughs) As we've gone through the podcast, we've talked about desire and we've also talked about the fact that not all desires are bad. Some desires are good and godly, but there are worldly desires. And so I'm interested, what are ways in which you've seen women specifically struggle in this area of worldly desire? And Emily, if you don't mind starting with you. I think women struggle with desire kind of just in a lot of the same ways as human beings in general do. Um, seems like it kind of falls into two categories. One, maybe just feeling loved or known. Um, 
a desire to fit in, I guess. Um, and then secondly, maybe wanting to look or feel like you have it together. Um, I've seen this come out in my life specifically and in lives of women that I've talked to and just kind of as perfectionism and wanting to feel like you have things together for it to look like everything's running perfectly in your world. Kind of, it seems like most issues kind of go boil down to both of those. Okay. When you've seen that happen, uh, people with the desire to be loved or be known or to look like they have it together, how do you see it express itself in their lives? With the perfectionism, I think it comes across in just setting standards that are unattainable Hmm. um, and then continuing to feel discouraged because you're not meeting those standards. Hmm. Just kind of having a picture in your mind of what it would look like to have a perfect life or a perfect home or perfect relationships with your friends or whatever it is. And then not giving yourself grace when it doesn't look like what you've imagined. Mm. Um, and feeling loved or fitting in, I think it just looks like looking for love in the wrong places. And um, not even just in relationships, but just kind of where we find our affirmation or where we get our sense of security of who we are. And looking for that to be fulfilled in other places mm. other than in Christ. Hmm. Hannah, in high school ministry, would you say that that holds true for you guys as well? Have you seen anything different? Yeah. Um, I think that what Emily was saying about just wanting to feel loved and accepted and affirmed is something that starts very early in, um, in a girl's life. I mean, I struggle with it myself, so it's, um, it's kind of interesting to, meet with teenage girls and, and they're telling me these things about how they just really want this guy to like them or, um, you know, they feel like they can't please their parents. And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> I hear you. I feel you. Like right. it, it doesn't really end. I don't know when it ends. I hope it does, but <laughs> right. Right. I don't know. Um, but yeah, they, they are, there's a lot of insecurities, a lot of just wanting to just be accepted mm. by do you see that expressed in high schoolers differently than you would see it expressed with your friends or with uh, older ladies? Yeah, I think that with with teenage girls, it's it's to a much higher degree. Hmm. Um, I think that with um, women my age, there that know the Lord, there how we know how to find our identity in Him and what hmm. that looks like, um, and with teenage girls in general, they're just looking in all the wrong places. Mm. They look to boys, they look to their friends. Um, they're obsessed with being in the right crowd, with being in the mm. cool crowd. And, um, and there, there's not a lot of self-awareness there. There's not a lot of like, they don't see, they don't see them, see themselves in that. They don't see that they're doing that. Mm. And I don't know, maybe when, when we get a little older, we, maybe we just know how to hide it better too. But, um, but I do think that as you grow, especially growing in the Lord, you, you learn to kind of see the foolishness of just wanting to fit in. And you can see that there's more, you can kind of set your priorities straight. Right. So I hear with younger students, with these high school students, maybe they don't know how to rest with their value and identity in Christ. Right. Yeah. Um, and they're more variable in their expression. So their emotions can be really high mm-hmm. versus us. When we get older, we can be a little bit more moderated. Yeah. Yeah. 
Bethann, anything different with the group that you work with? Well, with middle schoolers, it's, I mean, it's just the years that you're, you're physically growing and changing. And so you're re- I mean, their lives are full of insecurities. Um, there's no specific schooling that's exempt from this, whether you're homeschooled or public schooled or private schooled, you're, you're, everyone's prone to feeling insecure and not, and everything that both Emily and Hannah said of not fit, wanting to achieve something that's unattainable, that perfectionism is born young. I mean, we're born into that sin. We're born into the sin of, even though we know that nothing's perfect, we still think that we can, we can be the first to be perfect. Yeah. So I think the middle school girls just tend to, there's no, there's no uh, callousness yet. We're like we watch girls from sixth grade through 12th grade and on to college just kind of gradually build more callousness to, to being able to call it what it is. Um, so in, when they're in middle school, there's just the filters off. Mm. They'll say, I really am insecure. And even last night in Bible study, there were three girls that are like, I'm insecure in this way where it, you don't even have to really bait them to say that. Um, they're just more open so it is, it's different. I mean, it's the same beast. It just manifests itself in a different way. I think that the biggest thing in middle school is just trying to figure out who you are, mm. um, who you are, how do you deal with insecurity? Mm. Um, do you just ignore it or do you call it what it is? It seems to me that girls are more relational than guys, that they tend to have a wider net of friends. How is it that women encourage each other through this and, and how do they... How do they hurt each other in this? Are there ways that they can actually undermine one another and their growth? I can come at the the back end of this. Okay. How it is. Un- well, um, man, I'll just be the pessimist first. Again, that's Beth Ann Sample, our middle school girls director. I think that, because I've even thinking with middle schoolers and the age where I am, my like later 20s now, it's the same thing. There's just a constant, like, because we're relational, we're always there. You, most women, now there are exceptions to this that don't desire to be relational, but you're, you're, you're in a constant judgment battle against each other. Mm. Um, whether it's you, you, your eyes see something that you want and you think I, I, I'm jealous. I covet and then you're in sin in that moment as well, that you're coveting something that someone else has, whether it's beauty or financial or um, status. And that's something that I think is true of all, I mean, I would, all ages. It's not just a middle school, but middle school, you just see it. Like, you see the girls, you can visibly watch them look at each other, almost size each other up. Issue that might need another moment or two of discussion. Beth Ann has just brought up the fact that girls, when they see another beautiful girl, that they have covetousness that rises in their hearts. I don't think guys generally understand that. They think that women dress up or become attractive more for them, but really girls oftentimes become more attractive for one another because they're competing with one another. And so both girls and guys have to watch themselves when they see beauty. For girls, it might be insecurity, it might be jealousy, it might be anger. For guys, it's almost always sexual ideation. So both boys and girls, men and women, have to guard their hearts and their minds when they see beauty. 
This might require eye discipline. Being careful about where you look and what you look at might require thought discipline. Taking those thoughts captive as you see beauty. Applying scripture to yourself, reminding yourself that you're to build one another up, not just use one another. But this is also where the idea of modesty is key. Now, I'm not suggesting that all attractive people have to wear burkas. But I think what I am saying is, is that you have to be mindful of what you wear and how you present yourself. That you might have to sacrifice the ability to make yourself look more attractive or to accentuate certain aspects of your body in order to shepherd your brother or your sister in Christ better. So they may not have to go through all those extra exercises in their hearts and in their minds and in shepherding their own souls. You're not responsible for their sin, but you are responsible to them. This is a practical place where you and I might live out the gospel for one another and for the kingdom. Now let's get back to Hannah, Emily, and Bethany. Would you guys agree anything different? Yeah, I I would definitely agree with that. And I think that in middle school and in, in younger, the younger teenage years, you're a lot more you don't know to kind of like keep that secret that you're that you're jealous of someone or that you're competing with another girl. And again, this is Hannah, our high school girls director. But in high school, I've seen a lot of there's a term frenemy mm. and and it is. I see it a lot where girls I know that they're jealous of another girl or I know that they really don't like them, but because of their social status or um the people that like the other girl, they'll be best friends, you know, and, and, but really they don't, they're not speaking into each other's life. Mm. They're not building each other up. They're still competing just under the guise of we're friends, but there's no, they're not helping each other at all. Right. I think that this is Emily, our women's director. Women do tend to have uh, easily make acquaintances and, and maybe that relational side of women coming out, it's easy to kind of have a a large group of people that you share some aspect of your life with, but it does, in my experience, usually take women a long time to feel comfortable and vulnerable with um, friends. And so I think the way that they can help each other in these struggles is just um, kind of intentionally talking to each other about what it is that they struggle with or um, are having trouble with. And so sometimes, sometimes that just requires one person taking a leap or letting somebody in. Um, you know, your friend stops by and your house is a mess and you really don't want them to see that you don't have it all together, but you invite them in anyway. And, um, you know, just sometimes it takes one person doing something that's really uncomfortable to kind of take that friendship to the next level where you feel comfortable sharing with each other where you're insecure or what your struggles are. Um, I've seen that in Bible studies when, when women break into smaller groups for prayer requests. And if one person can kind of just let their guard down um, and say, here's something I'm really struggling with. Would you guys pray for me? All of a sudden, everybody else just feels much more comfortable to say, okay, Hey, she's admitting she's not perfect. I think I can do that too. You know? Right. 
I'm interested when you talk about wanting to be perfect and then also wanting to be valued. It seems like this is a perfect storm for social media. That on social media, you can project the perfect life, perfect life. And then you can get things like likes and retweets and other things that then you can put your value in. So have you guys seen social media speak into this particular piece? Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Um, <laughs> a lot of teenagers, uh, I think it's true for girls and boys, actually, that, um, I, yeah, I, they find their identity and their value and how many likes they get on Instagram. Mm. And if they don't get enough, they'll delete the picture because that's what it's all about. That's mm. the point is to get, get good likes. Your mm. light game is strong. That's what they say. <laughs> I heard that for the first time just, yeah. <clears throat> I think, a couple of weeks ago. Your like game. What, what does that mean? <laughs> Can someone explain what that even means? <laughs> if, if you don't have a certain number of likes on your picture, then you're not. You're weak. Yeah, it's weak. Yeah. Interesting. <laughs> I do think that social, I mean, the three of us are all of gener- a generation that is in social media now. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's blown up, like. But what's interesting is that no matter what your plot in life is, you can create. And and we're, I mean, I can speak for myself. Like, I, I'm mostly nine times out of ten, I'm not going to put a picture up that makes me look bad. <laughs> I'm just not. Um, and I think that kind of explains, like, we, we're actually able to tailor what we want. Where when you're physically meeting with somebody face-to-face, you can't necessarily control all the variables. But you can... On your phone, on Snapchat, on Instagram, Facebook. I mean, you can you can literally make your life look either completely put together or completely a mess. I think social media has intensified what was already there in terms of, um, you know, looking to what's presented in the world as an acceptable. So even... I mean, I, I had to recognize with myself a long time ago that I really have to limit the number of magazines I look at, like even if it's house decoration magazines or what women are wearing these days magazines, like <laughs> my house is never going to look like that. My outfit is never going to look like that. And so if I'm constantly looking at things that are going to make me discontent, mm. um, you know, it, it really changes your attitude. It discourages you and, and you're living in that sin of discontentment. Um, and so social media has just really intensified that because you, you're right. You look through pictures and it's everybody's perfect presentation. Mm. And I have seen, I think recently, even a little bit of a backlash against that in just people saying, Hey, we should take pictures of our messy kitchen after we cook, or, you know, this is what my house really looks like, or, um, my kid was screaming today instead, right. <laughs> instead of being perfectly behaved. And so um, I think I think people are recognizing that there's a danger to that. But, um, you know, making that choice of just not looking at it as much or, you know, not not posting things for a while and just seeing if you can manage without people looking at pictures of your life, you know, whatever it is, kind of taking a drastic step to, to regain your yeah. control in that area. You've been listening to 1A, a counseling ministry of First Presbyterian Church. We encourage you to listen to all of our episodes, which you can find on our webpage, which is firstpreszcolumbia.org forward slash 1A. 
You can also check us out on all your favorite podcast applications, such as iTunes, SoundCloud, or Stitcher. If you like what you've heard, then subscribe. Also, don't forget to tell your friends and family about us as well. If you have comments, questions, or an issue that you'd like us to wrestle with, contact us. You can contact us via email at 1A at firstpresscolumbia.org. That's 1A at firstpresscolumbia.org. Or on Twitter at 1A Podcast. That's at 1A Podcast. Or you can call us by phone, 803 281 1795. That's 803 281 1795. We look forward to seeing you next week and hope that this material has helped you to live out the gospel for each other and for the kingdom. Until then, God bless. <laughs>